Hi, we are the Good Ship Illustration and we run online courses to help illustrators and image makers navigate a creative career. We are Tanya, Katie and Helen. We have about 70 years experience between us, each of us working in a different area of illustration. Welcome to Message in a Bottle, our new podcast answering your questions. You can send your messages to goodshipillo at gmail.com and title it Message in a Bottle so we know what it's about. This time we're doing a picture book podcast. We've got three brilliant questions. We've got one from Catherine Steele. Do you want to read that one out? Yes. Okay, so Catherine says, my question is, is it a good idea to use your own kids for picture book stories or would they just end up being too personal or no one else would get them? My kids inspire me so much. Um, I think it's a brilliant idea, definitely. I know um, after Pi was born, it completely changed the way that I thought about picture books because... Before she was born, I only really thought about how lovely the images were. And I didn't think too much, this is a bit embarrassing for a picture book illustrator, but I didn't think too much about connecting with the child. So like when she was born, my whole framework of how to make a book changed completely. And also she was just really inspiring all the things she said and did, how she saw the world. So yeah, I think it's a really good idea. But the only thing that I would say is that when I used to teach the MA students, sometimes um, they would want to draw their children or write a story about their children, but they were so invested in the literal story of their children that it was hard to edit it to make it into something that made a really good story, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that thing about killing your darlings, isn't it? Yeah. As well as the ultimate thing you don't want to edit out, is it like all, everything your child does is amazing and important. Yeah. So it's really hard to edit it down and make it. So How to Hide a Lion is based on my daughter, but I changed her name to Iris so that when she became a teenager, she could claim it wasn't her in case it became embarrassing. Is she embarrassed about it? Was she proud of it? No, well, until really recently, she always wanted me to visit her school <laughs> and talk about the book. And she really, really loved it. But now, no. Because she doesn't want me going anywhere near school. And what 14. Age? Yeah, that's classic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's not cool now. Um, what was I going to say about that? But did you oh, yeah. Her? So it's not literally about her because she meets a lion. And obviously that didn't happen in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so disappointed. So you, know, you know, using your children, it's a really good idea, but you don't want to become so invested in the truth because their truth is so amazing, isn't it? It's so amazing. But you can become so invested in their truth that it's hard to edit the story into shape. So that would be my only warning. Proceed with caution. Yeah. That, but that's from a writing point of view or, or storyline art. What about drawing from life? Did you base Iris on drawings that you made of your daughter? <laughs> I based Iris on Pi, but I barely ever drew her from life. It was too hard because, she honestly, she's so amazing. I could never sum it up in a drawing. <laughs> like, your own child is so wonderful, aren't they? that trying to represent that in a drawing is almost impossible. It's too much pressure. I found it really, really hard. Like anyone you love that much and you think is that amazing, yeah. it's impossible to draw. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, it's the battle of your love and your pencil skills. Yeah, the pressure yeah, is too high. Yeah. What were you saying? You said the only way to draw your own children is to just draw yeah. rainbows. Rainbows and sunbeams <laughs> coming on the page. That would be very cheesy. Terrible. Yeah, you can just never reflect everything that you feel about them. It's and really every, hard. But you said everyone thinks that you must draw your child a lot. 
And so you have a few goes and then give up. And we say, how many drawings do yeah. you have? Of oh, very few. Observational drawings. <laughs> 10, 15. <laughs> She's 14. <laughs> I think very rare. Very rare. <laughs> I think I've got the same. They were, I really tried hard, especially when there were toddlers where they moved too much. But, you know, there's a few drawings. They look like someone else's kids as mm. well. But there's not that many. You'd think illustrators would have loads more. Mm. Yeah, I think I've drawn her twice. And even then, yeah. Cameron was like, I don't look like her. So, yeah. <laughs> I know, because she's perfect. <laughs> so your, ch your children could be two, there's two possibilities. They could either be, it's their characteristics and they're written in as mm. that child, or you draw from them. I suppose there's two different ways, or both. Yeah, I, I kind of drew her from memory, but making into her character, so that wasn't too... Um, uh, what's the word? Restricted or too literal. And then I used her as inspiration, like there's a part in How to Hide a Lion where the lion gets a thorn in his paw and she has a little box of plasters and puts a plaster on it. And that's because at one point when Free, when Pau was small, she loved plasters. So if you ever said to her, would you like would you like a little Prezi? Let's get you a toy today. We'd go straight to Boots and buy plasters. <laughs> all of her teddies had plasters all over them. Like she was just obsessed with them. Amazing. So yeah, like little things like that turn up in the books yeah. and that's the lovely thing about children's books when there's like that bit of truth yeah like children are like that yeah they do love yeah. yeah yeah and other mothers recognize it and then children recognize it mm. yeah i i not being a children's book illustrator i didn't have any urge to make a children's book until they were beginning to speak and like you say your relationship with children's books completely changes and i mm. thought they know their specific cup they know their auntie they know their teddy so I just thought, oh, I'll just make these quickly, get make a book of photographs of their objects so I can show them and they'll get, then they'll speak. It was a very kind of practical, uninspired, technical thing. But then I got so obsessed, I started making all these books of all their objects and wow. photographing them in a special way. But it was great because the interaction between a near speaking child and a picture book is crucial. They really wow, respond. that's amazing. I want to see those. I'll yeah, show you them. Just photos mm. of their favourite things. Literally, I just duotoned them, put them on mm. a colour background. I got the, our favourite photos. It that really worked. really good. It was another of my empire plans. I yes. thought, maybe I will make custom books for people yes. with their favourites. <laughs> and I thought about it long while, but I was too busy and too multitasking. <laughs> Tell her, take it forward. When Pi learned to speak, I would write down the word she said first and then the, the weird words she had for things. And some of those weird words lingered on for years, like... A dressing gown was a dressing gown <laughs> until she was about 10 because we couldn't correct her because it was so lovely. Too good. Yeah. Didn't you want to write a book with all the crazy words? Yeah. 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 It's yeah. like books are like holding memories, aren't they? Mm. Containers for what they were like at a certain mm. point. So even if you make a book for yourself, which is probably a good way to start a children's book, but you accidentally make one because of the things you love mm. and then they're universal. Yeah. Okay. Shall we have another question? Yes. So this one came from Adam Ming and he actually sent it to my Substack, but it's such a good question, I thought we should answer it here. He asks how we tackle development work, which is really interesting. So I, I don't know what it's like for you two, but in the world of picture books, development work is usually if a publisher have a story in mind, they might approach you, ask you to do some sample pieces, and then they'll make their mind up whether you're right for the job. So in that circumstance, I charge a fee because they've approached me and 
The other way that I would do it is if I have an idea, the, the idea starts with me and I write the story and I draw thumbnails and stuff, and I approach the publisher. In that situation, I don't charge for those samples because it's, your idea. it's my idea and it's in my interest to have made that work already. So those are the two ways it works in publishing. What's the copyright like if you do development work for the publisher? Mm. Do you retain the copyright even though they've paid you to do that development? Do you mean if they send me a story and I do some samples? Um, I think it's really vague. So I did some samples for a book a couple of years ago that I would really have liked to illustrate and it didn't happen. But I really like the character. But obviously the author didn't write how the character's going to look. So I drew her look in a certain way and I really like how she looks. I didn't get the book and I've actually turned her into a character of my own. That's your intellectual property. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think maybe publishing is a more honourable profession, children's book publishing, so people are less likely to then make a child, you know, a character based on that. They need you there to continue it. Yeah. But yeah, I often wonder in generalised illustration, when you've handed in work for development projects, for example, the one I'm thinking about is when in the 90s, we were all asked to do a figure with a trumpeting, a, a kind of horn in blue and yellow with a kind of pixie figure or some mythical Greek god blowing this trumpet, which then, of course, became the BT logo. And they gave this out to loads. This is like the 90s BT logo years ago. And they gave it out to loads of illustrators and they paid a set fee. But I think they took the copyright as well. So they could use it in anything they wanted. So, you know, certain areas like merchandising or generalised publishing, you'd want to clarify whether they have the rights or not to use those development studies. But I think, in again, in editorial or illustration for design, it's, it's pitching, isn't it? There is, people get really, well, quite rightly so, the idea that you shouldn't free pitch and lots of people will ask for free pitches. And then designers will come to illustrators and say, we haven't got a fee, or sometimes they will give a fee, but we're all pitching for a big multinational, will you do illustration? either for free or will you for quite a low fee because the client's not paying us. Yeah. But the idea is no one should free pitch because ethically it messes up the business. But do they give you an idea of how many other people are pitching? Do you know how likely it is you would get the work? I don't know, actually. Mm. It de- I guess it depends on the job. Mm. But quite often, if you've got a good website, you just say, well, if you, you, if you need to know whether I'm right for the job or not, just look at my website. I was asked by a bank to... Um, pitch some drawings of Hong Kong and given that I already draw Hong Kong I said why do I have to draw it again go to the <laughs> yeah. website and they were like could you do some A4 pencil drawings of Hong Kong and because they were a bank they didn't know how to brief and they you know it wasn't their, their field of expertise so it sounded a bit peculiar eventually I persuaded them said, but we just don't need to go through this just look at the website yeah. and you'll know if I'm right that's how not. I think I'm it is yeah I think it's the same for me in publishing so if somebody does ask me to do some development drawings. I don't do very much because they've got all of my books to look at and my website to look at. So say they pay me a little development fee, I don't know, £400 or something. I might do three or four layout pages, your A3 layout pages in black and white with with ink and a black crayon or something. I don't do more than that. Because they've got my website, I don't need to work out colours yet. If I get the contract, I would... I would go to that later. I assume they know who I am and that they can look at my website. So. And that's that's really the importance of a good website comes in, mm. isn't it? Because mm. your website should kind of do the talking for you. 
Do you get asked for development work, Katie? Sometimes. Or people get in touch because they're pitching to a client and yeah. they want to pitch live illustrations. So I've put together a deck for them to use. So then it's like, here's some examples of my work, but I'm not going to create work for you yeah. unless you pay me for it. So I've, and also I've had people get in touch with a like, want to pilot live illustrations, see if it'll work for a company. Um, and I'm like, okay, book one session. Like you don't have to book loads and loads of them. And that means they could do one thing, one event, they see if they like it. And if they do like it, we'll work together again. And I might give them a block discount, but I'm not going to discount that one time. So I yeah. never do it for free. And yeah, it's, it's the same thing. I'm like, if you've seen my website, that's what my work looks like. You're not going to get any surprises. Yeah. Um, but I know when I was starting out and you know what it's like when you do anything for anyone, your website is just everything. So the client is quite right to be like, what are you going to do? <laughs> and I think that's yeah. when you're making your portfolio and your website, you want to make it so they kind of know what they're going to get. You've got a way of working and it's not going to be like a total wild card. Which comes back to consistency, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, like, finding your creative voice. And people say, do I need one style or can I have three styles on my website? Well, I mean, you could have three, but as long as you can point to one of them to reassure a client who understandably is scared about spending a huge chunk of cash and not knowing what they're going to get. And like you, for the mapping thing, if people say, we'd like a map, and I think, well, a map is multiple things. Which which map do you want? So I finally learned, like you, to put a deck together, so it's it's simpler maps, complex maps, visitor, navigational maps, all different stuff, and then giving them some kind of price point. Yeah. But I think that thing of, I meant to say, yeah, some people don't know what, a, what we mean by a deck. A PDF that just has a template that's branded, isn't it? That's yeah. showing different examples that you can just send out to someone pre-development exactly. and that often offsets the need for development because they're like oh okay right so there's yeah. six styles of increasing complexity and these are the price points oh, yeah. i don't need development work yeah I, I put mine together as if somebody's not going to see my website so if they're sharing it in a meeting it's yeah. like my name's katie i've worked with these people here's some examples of my work i'd love to hear from you so it's very straightforward. They're, they're asking you to do them a favour, rightly so, aren't they? Like if I'm going to pitch you, yeah. will you present yourself so I don't even have to think about it or write a paragraph about you? You do all the work. That's your kind of, uh, that's the extra length you're going for for me to represent you. Yeah. I think going back to Adam's question, I think doing development work for free, is it ever a good idea? No. I think it's only a good idea if you've written the story yourself. Yeah. So if you're the writer and illustrator and you're taking your idea to a publisher, mm -hmm. they might say to you, I want to take this to an acquisitions meeting to see if we can, what we're going to pay you and what the contract will be, blah, blah, blah. And under those circumstances, sometimes they'll say, will you draw us a rough of the cover so that marketing and salespeople can see what the cover will be like. So in those circumstances, I, I do work for free because if they say no, I take it to another publisher anyway. Yeah. But if they approach me with their story, yeah. then a charge. Yeah. It's, it's basically, mm. if, you, if anything begins with, I've got a great idea and you want mm. someone else to implement it, then you're doing it for free. If mm. it's the other way around, they pay you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So we've got one more question. Um, this was a Substack question as well. It came from Sandy. And it is, which way round should your character face? I think she was specifically talking about book covers, but I think it counts inside the book as well. So you want your character to face the direction of travel through the book. And um, she, I, I, she was asking specifically about on your cover, could you have your character facing the spine? And I was thinking about this. The rule is really no. Because if your character's facing the spine, you're kind of being pointed in the wrong direction in the book. The only way your character would face the spine 
is if they're facing another character and they're looking at each other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then one of them will be looking that way. But in the translate, the co-editions, yeah. the translations, do they flip it if you read right to left? I've never had one flipped. No. No. Yeah, I know. I wonder about that. Because then for them it is backwards, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I've never had one printed backwards. Mm. Also, emojis, they all go the wrong way, don't they? So I suppose they're designed by designers. In different cultures. In in different cultures who read things the other way. So every time I want to type in, I'm on the train, train emoji. It looks like I'm going home. Yeah. It's really annoying. It drives me insane. Oh my God. (laughs) It's the same as portfolio placement. Mm. And, you know, if someone walks out to the left, or Mm. if you've got a double page spread, if they're facing out to the outer pages, outside of the pages, it looks like sadness or departure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, if they're looking in, it's communal. So the emotional quality that you're trying to convey in an image is really important, which way the character faces. But when you think about the play button, the triangle play button on... um, musical equipment whatever but <laughs> the team remote controls it's always traveling right so like you were mm. saying that, that that's the active mm. involvement in the eyeballs mm. aren't you yeah. like describing it's like everything looks towards where the information's going as well yeah it just feels wrong in a book if you suddenly get to a double page spread you turn over the page and the character's walking back where are you going? into Come the back. story the only time you would do that is if in your story your character genuinely like in i want my hat back by john Classen. So the bear is going along looking for his hat. He's going left to right, left to right. And then he suddenly remembers, oh, I think I saw my hat back there. And he stops. And then he heads back the other way. But as soon as he's heading back the other way, he stops. He turns around, he's he's right to left. Then you turn over the page and now he's left to right again because he's on the journey again. Yeah. That's the only situation, really. Sounds like a device in that one. Yeah. So for the cover, you would say, always have the character facing the right either facing out eye contact yeah happy eye contact or facing to the right even if it's just yeah. bodily facing to the right yeah with the face turning out to the audience would be the optimum yes. engagement <laughs> yes okay wow. yeah. oh that's soft I that. feel like <laughs> well i think we answered everything didn't we? we did and if you're listening to this and you're interested in picture books you've listened to this at a good time because the picture book doors are now open um, and we'd love to have you on board and if you're listening to this later when the doors are closed you can join the waiting list and we'd love to have you sailing with us um, it's an eight week course and we cover creating your own picture book making your best picture book work ever yep how to get it out there in the world how to share it with everybody get it seen get the right eyes on it yeah it's Helen, Helen tells you all the things yeah. and Tanya and I cheerlead <laughs> From the side you were my guinea pigs yeah <laughs> Yeah, you can find us on goodshipdemonstration.com. Look for the picture book course. Yes. We'll put links in the description. Lovely. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.